Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we uh, dive into another week of MLB coverage, and again, my biggest question that I'm going to be wanting to ask today is, are you Team Rat or Team Raccoon? Uh, we'll talk about that as we uh, dive into uh, an interesting week in Major League Baseball. Uh, but as always, uh, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games, movies of choice, and NFL draft, come hungry, leave happy. How was the how was the weekend at the popcorn wagon? It was great. I saw a lot of moms today, so a lot of mothers out there for Mother's Day. We're recording this late Sunday night. And happy Mother's Day to everyone. Happy out Mother's there. Day to any moms and popcorn wagon. Weather was nice. Weather was good this weekend. It sounds like it's going to be a little wet this week, but overall, popcorn wagon. You know, we're we're up there, rain or shine. I don't go in lightning because. Not, it's got a metal roof, and I don't want to get electrocuted. But even if it rains, come out because it sounds like there's a chance next weekend. Let's have you work on your electric slide in different ways. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we just finished uh, recording our NFL draft uh, uh, recap. Yeah, check it out. Uh, so feel free to check that out as well uh, for those that enjoyed that. See what we thoughts on uh, teams we thought did uh, did well. A preview already for the next uh, college football season. Early uh, post spring uh, power rankings. Uh, key players to uh, to keep in mind. If you will uh, mention one on player the Green a week. Bay Packers, maybe we can mention one player a week on this one. <laughs> a little bit of a little bit of an appetite, what a teaser, if you will. Uh, well, let's dive into the the thing uh, that's piling up the most every yes. week: injuries. My goodness gracious! You are seeing here, and we're and we'll talk about it in various ways throughout the the podcast today. Uh, but the 162 game season is different. Uh, is People are adjusting back to it, and there's repercussions to it, and injuries is the biggest part. Okay, well, let's talk about the two that got healthy, and then they got hurt before we had a podcast. So Christian Yelich came back. He played one day. He had two hits, and his back hurt him again, and he went right back on the injured list. And now it's kind of worrisome because it's clearly chronic, right? We don't really Which know. Which means you have to now shut down. Yep. That's that's the concern. This is when you have to go back on for the same thing. It means you're there for a while. Yep. We have no idea when he'll be back. There was another great player, George Springer. He got off the injured list with his, I believe his was a quad, right? Yeah. Quad strain. He got off and then he went right back on and he was playing great. He played four games, three for 15, had a couple home runs. But once again, when you get put back on, I don't know how long this one's going to take. That's that's a hard one again. Some of you meant to be a your big offseason acquisition centerpiece on your team, and injuries just getting in the way. Let's take up the biggest I don't know biggest news of the week maybe Luis Robert. So the White Sox, my World Series pick, have lost Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert for five to six months. Robert hurt his hip, and I said it said five to six months. I was gonna say they said weeks plural, uh, meaning meaning months with the way that they were going at. So that he's gonna be out, and I'm not feeling so confident about my pick anymore. The other just devastating one is the Dodgers. We said last week Dustin May got hurt, and guess what? We were right. He is having time. I think he actually had it. He already had Tommy John, so he is out till middle of the year next year now. And that's also a team that's uh, been. They started out hot for the first two to three weeks and have been scuffling since. Yeah, yeah they've been tough. Uh, let's talk Kirilov. So Kirilov came up to replace someone. Started horrendously. I think he was 0 for 16. And then he got really good. He, I think he had three homers and two doubles in four or five games. 
and then he hurt his wrist. And did you happen to see Rocco Baldelli's comments about this one today? Uh-uh. It was like, we're going to let him take batting practice, and if he's good, we could see him in a few days. But if he's not good with his wrist brain, we might need surgery. What? Where is the middle, man? What, what is that? <laughs> the all or nothing, man. All what? or nothing. Like, How do you not know how severe this is? So that was a weird one. Joey yeah, Votto. If it's that risky, then why is he holding a bat in the first place? I don't know. Joey Votto hurt his thumb. He is broke out a, a month. He broke yeah. a thumb. Anthony Radon fouled a ball off his knee. He hit the IL. That's exactly what I saw last year from Christian Yelich. Now that broke a knee. It sounded like Rendon's was more of a contusion, and they thought he could be back in the 10 days. But no Anthony Rendon right now. Oh, let's go to your team. Diego Castillo hurt his groin. Yeah, there's uh, more of a tweak. They expect the reports have come back solid overall that it should be a minimum stint. Yeah, that's that's not great, though, for your closer. Um, Buxton, Byron Buxton. Hey, he was off to a great start, but guess what? He's still Byron Buxton. So injuries have flared up yet again. So hip strain for him. Grade two. That doesn't sound great. And I mentioned they already had Kirilov hurt. So they called up one of their top prospects, another one in Trevor Larnark, who big power probably strikes out a little bit too much. But guess what? Byron Buxton hurt again. That's, uh, again, the the story of his career. Story of his career. We're just going to bomb through a couple pitchers here. Jake Arrieta has been pitching. Eh. He's on the aisle with a thumb abrasion. Alex Cobb, you mentioned him. He's been pitching okay. 10-day IL blisters. Um, that's that splitter, right? Yep, that's common with, with a splitter, unfortunately. He looks solid against the, the Rays. Watched him uh, uh, this week. Unfortunately, Shohei also had a couple of things. They used to push his start back. So I didn't get to see Glasnow versus Otani the way I was hoping for. Did you but see Otani and his all's walks? The walks were there. Uh, the ta- you can still see the talent oh, and the, the mammoth home runs. No, it's amazing. First time but... getting a chance to really watch his bat. Uh, and, and he's there. I mean, you're talking about, uh, I would say, a top five bat in the American League. Uh, if not already this year, it will be next year. I agree. Uh, some quick ones. Nico Horner hit the IL with a forearm strain for the Cubs. It's on like 10 days. Uh, Brandon Nimmo broke his finger for the Mets. I think there was talk of them calling up Khalil Lee, who was the prospect they got in, I don't even remember which trade it was, that three-team trade with the, was it the Blue Jays maybe? It doesn't matter, but... I don't know if he's coming up or yet, but there's a talk of that. And then the Giants is the last one. They've had great pitching to start this year. We mentioned that on, I think, last week's podcast. But Aaron Sanchez, right bicep tightness. And Sanchez is another one. Always. Always, always hurt. injured. Always hurt. So bicep tightness, I think. Isn't he a lefty, though? I I can't remember. I don't remember either uh, right off the top well, of my what head. What I will say is, and this will be the kiss of death, and you can blame me afterwards, uh, it's almost time for Rich Hill's annual uh, vacation. Yes, it is. Uh, he's been... Uh, notice this with the veteran guys. Their first couple of starts look horrible, and like, oh, no, are they at the end of their rope? That's always the question that comes with it. Then they settle in. Uh, Rich Hill's been a textbook at that. He's had about three or four consecutive starts. Uh, strikeouts per nine are well over 10 per nine. He's actually looked very good. Now, again, the Rays will keep him in limited doses. Two times through the order is what they keep him going unless something's really cruising. That's where they keep him at about four innings is what they're having him do, and he's doing it very effectively. Uh, but these are another one of those guys with uh, it's about that time for that uh, that injury. We'll see what uh, what happens there. I just wish they get less one of these weeks so we don't have to go through 20 injuries a week. It's it's piling up, That's that's for sure. Uh, we have a couple of uh, interesting uh, notes for uh, news and notes. First, uh, uh, say hey uh, turns ninety. 
uh, Willie Mays, uh, 90th birthday, and uh, there's been some cool uh, homage. Yeah, he went to the Giants. He went out to San Francisco, right? Yeah. I saw him at the yeah. game. So it's good for Willie Mays. You're a living legend in this game. We lost Hank Aaron. Stay alive as long as you can, Willie Mays, because you are a true ambassador to this game. And I think you are number two, maybe number one, actually, at our GOAT podcast. So, yeah, living legend. And uh, seems like every week now is becoming a weekly uh, occurrence of a no-hitter being thrown in Major League Baseball. Uh, we have uh, that going on there. I have those guys on my on a heater, so we'll get to those guys. Okay. I got some stuff for you, though. Bill Schilt is the interim GM of the Rockies. Good luck. That's, a, that's yep. The Blue Jays are back in Buffalo June 1st. Yep, that one uh, uh, makes sense. Again, I don't know if they'll be. I think what that pretty much says is they're not going to be in Toronto at all this year. If they make the yeah. playoffs, maybe. But I, you know, that, that's uh, doesn't sound promising. It should in help Canada. their pitchers, right? Like Dunedin has yes. Like Dunedin has been real tough on some of their pitchers. I, Pearson was up today, and I saw he it struggled. Makes Buffalo look spacious. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, how about Amir Garrett suspended seven games for kind of having a like provoking a benches clearing ball. He like just celebrated a strikeout. Ness, Amir Garrett, is he still with the Reds uh, yep. cin- against the Cubs? So is this becoming just the MLB cracking down on Cincy's? I don't know if you want to call them the bad boys again <laughs> here with this. You kind of have a little bit no of no celebration, uh, an Cincinnati. Edge. There's a, an edge to the way they play, and it seems like that's getting more of a crackdown than others. I don't know why. Seven games is a lot, right? Like I've said, I don't well, want to hey, talk. You can throw at someone's head and only get three games. Yeah, and, and get Houston, that reduced, like, so. I, I know I don't, I don't always like. I said, don't talk about Houston that much, but for the fact that they didn't get hardly anything and you get seven games for celebrating is a lot. Since you mentioned Houston, I'll at least bring up, you know, there's a lot of angst over their first time in New York, a lot of uh, fan guff at them. If anything was, like, crossed, like, a, a damaging line... Uh, deal with it. So I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that. As if if it did, if it happened that way. What I will say overall, though, is Houston. You want this to go away? Shut up. Stop talking about it. Just play baseball. I agree. Again, there's some, and even even if something egregious happens, you deal with it internally. You let MLB investigations handle it. You do the stuff that way. You keep it out of the press. Just play baseball, and this goes away. You keep whining. You keep acting like you're the victim, and all it does is it keeps prolonging the inevitable. Shut up and play baseball. I like it. Uh, some historic things. Miguel Cabrera passes Babe Ruth on the all-time hits list, so he passed Babe Ruth, who was 46th. He is currently tied with Mel Ott, who is 44th, and he is rapidly approaching Vizcal and Frisch, like, I don't know what there's to say. He's a guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer. You're going to keep working your way up that list, Miguel. Speaking of first ballot uh, Hall of Famers, Albert Pujols uh, makes his yeah. uh, uh, release designated for assignment from the, the Los Angeles Angels. And again, your team it, ruined him. Ryan Yarbrough <laughs> ruined it, man. <laughs> well, it, it definitely set him off because he didn't play uh, versus the left. So, that's the one thing that he okay. still, and he his career numbers. Versus him is, is was very it specifically good. So that's why he Yarbrough was upset. or was it lefties? Was Yarbrough. it specifically Yarbrough? Okay, so I didn't catch that, that pitcher. So yeah, they DFA'd him. I guess we're on Sunday here, so Thursday they DFA'd him. And you know, you're a legend in the game, Albert Pujols, but you're clearly not the player you were. And I I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, like bring him into Milwaukee. He can play first. No, no, he can't play first. Like I know Brewers fans, you you want a first baseman because Keston here didn't work out, and we'll get to him in a little bit too. But Albert Pujols has to play DH at this point. His feet are not good enough to play first base. And I know he wants to play first base, but he is going to actively hurt your team there. 
that's that's why uh, at least that's what they said publicly. Uh, Angels has said this was meant to be an uh, amicable release be, to allow him to try to extend. He wants to play first. We don't believe that's the spot that that's best for him here. We want to give him every chance he can to try to do that. Uh, I think ultimately it, it reached ahead quick because again I think he he was upset that he didn't play. He's been he's done it gracefully on his end overall at least publicly. And I think he just finally snapped it here with the reduced playing time. I, I, at least put me in against this guy. I have good numbers against this guy. Why am I not, why am I sitting against him? And the situation was only going to get worse with how they were going to play him. And that, from what I've read, that decision came from above, not from uh, Madden. So uh, like Perry Manasian, the GM? Yep, yep. the, the front office uh, it was the one that was bringing more of that in. So again, before this got any worse and became a real public spectacle, uh, they had him exit stage left. How do you view that overall, though, as someone who, again, is a sure uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, excellent you- player within it? Is this, do they do him dirty? How, how do you word it with this? You can't blame the Angels for wanting to win games, right? Like, and I said, Albert Pujols is not their best. Like, Jared Walsh is their best option at first base at this point, better than Albert Pujols at this point. And well, if they want to actually win games, they should actually just player procurement needs to be a whole lot better. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure, <laughs> absolutely. But like, did they do Pujols dirty? Like, he's made he's there nine years. He made three hundred million dollars off of them or whatever. But didn't they have some weird like contract? Wasn't there a part of that contract that was after he retired he was going to like? be in the, not a GM, but like a player ambassador for the team, I thought. I remember that being a thing where he was going to be like an ambassador for the team after his ret- after he was done. And if that's the case and they like still owe him money, that's strange to me. But as far as doing him dirty, no, the, the Angels have to win games, right? And Albert Pujols isn't helping him do that at this point as much as Jared Walsh is and Taylor Ward then should play right field. We've heard we've heard talk of Taylor Ward, who's got big power. Joe Adele is striking out. I was looking at Joe Adele's minor league numbers a couple days ago. Guess what? He still strikes out too much, which is what Joe Madden said. So I know a lot of people said, oh, no, Joe Adele can get up here. No, it ain't going to happen for a while. Like, he needs to figure out how to not strike out too much. So Pujols is a legend. Should he have had – he should have had the opportunity to have the Jarek Jeter thing, right, where he announced his retirement. Guess what? You get a one-year victory tour. Every park that you go to gives you something free. And forcing him out like that, I guess, sucks for him. I, I hear a lot of talk of like, oh, sign a one-day contract with the Cardinals, retire there. Yeah, you could do that. Does he really think, if he thinks he could play anymore, I'm sure there's some team willing to give Albert Pujols a chance as like pinch hitter and then say that this is your last year and get your victory tour. But otherwise, no, I can't blame the Angels. Did you find anything? Yeah, the... Uh uh, so the Angels still owe him $24 million for the rest of the season. And then for personal services, $1 million each year for 10 years I after his right. retirement. Yeah, I was uh, right. So he was going to be uh, that personal services addendum to his contract, uh, which was soon uh, outlawed by MLB. So they ended that oh. uh, as being something that's there, but it's still his. Uh, the Angels' intentions were to make him an organizational ambassador, a Ooh. statue player. Uh, so Thursday's news complicates that possibility. Uh, we'll see what all that means, or if they just have to pay him ten million bucks for doing nothing, and just go away. Uh, so that's uh, either way. I was that, right. I'm glad I was right about way that. Way to go, uh, Bobby Bonilla. Keep getting those checks, uh, cash, <laughs> buddy. So I, I'm glad glad to see that. I have one more news note, I, unless you have one. 
Josh Hader became the fastest player in baseball history to 400 strikeouts, 234 and two-thirds innings. He beat Craig Kimbrell by a couple of innings, and then I think he struck out another two or three since then, so I'm sure he's the fastest there. You know, we, I think we mentioned on our GOAT podcast, I had Chapman as current GOAT. You did not, but Josh Hader is as likely as anyone. Now, it's very, very small sample size, but, you know, he racks up strikeouts in bunches because he has some filthy stuff. Well, let's talk about those that are uh, on a heater uh, as we uh, dive into those who have had an excellent week. I'm just going to kick off with an oldie but a goodie. Uh, still crazy after all these years. Will Paul Simon it and give that to Adam Wainwright? Eight and a third shutout innings, uh, three hits. Uh, still at his age, every now and then you get one of these vintage performances, uh, and still uh, nice to see him doing that. Rockies on the road, right? Colorado Rockies on the road. You can pitch pretty well now. Wainwright, he has found a way to reinvent himself the last couple of years. I did not see that coming, but good for you, Adam Wainwright. You are not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but you are a ballot of very good. Absolutely. Okay. You already mentioned the perfect games and the no-hitters, so let's talk the first good one, the really good one, John Means, right? Perfect game, 27 up, 27 down, with his only base runner being a strikeout at that pass ball. The pass ball rule is so annoying sometimes. Yeah, but again, I at least get the, again, perfect game means perfect game. It means you have to rely on your defense, too. So many guys can make blunders uh, within it. So whether it's a pass ball, whether it's a wild pitch, anything, all the above, you got to have it happen. It's the same thing as someone uh, goofing up uh, uh, like a catch at first base or anything else. It's uh, It does suck, though. You, you had it. He had all the numbers. For it to be on that one, you get like a, a guy laying out and not quite making the catch. Okay, that happens. This one's always harder. So I had John Means in the top pitch when we did division previews. I had John Means in my AL East. I think he's very good. Uh, not this good, but at this point, I think he might have the best changeup in baseball. It's what we wanted Luis Castillo to be. He's thrown it uh, 200 times a season. He gets a ton of vertical drop on it, which makes it a swing and miss pitch. He gets 40% of the time batter swing and miss at that pitch, which is insane. That's crazy good. And even though he doesn't throw it very hard, that uh, strikeout or a uh, changeup like that can lead to strikeouts. I have a list of the players with 27 outs, 12 strikeouts, no hits, and no walks in a game. Ready for this list? Nap Rucker, no idea who that is because it's a long time ago. Sandy Koufax. There you go. When you're, whenever you're mentioned with Sandy Koufax, you're in good company. Randy Johnson. There you go. Matt Kane, Felix Hernandez, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, and John Means. Good job, list. John. What a list. Uh, so, John Means, the not as surprising of the no-hitter. That was against Seattle, right? And then the surprising one was Wade Miley. Now, I saw a lot of people like, oh, Wade Miley, this is, this is getting out of control. Like, he's a good pitcher, right? He's the, the problem always is consistency. With these types of veterans, uh, the numbers are never there consistently. But can he put it together for one or two starts a year and all of a sudden go off? Yeah. He he pulls an Adam Wainwright. Sir, right? It's the most unlikely no-hitter, but he's still a good pitcher. He has a 162 BABIP at this point in the season, which is somewhat to be expected after a no-hitter, right? You're going to have a low one. Edwin Jackson threw a 142-pitch uh, <laughs> no-hitter just a few years ago, so it can happen. I think the most impressive thing to me about Miley's was that he made it over six innings, and he was efficient. Like, his last starts, I was looking at this, he was in 90 pitches in five and six innings in his last few starts. He got through nine and 114. Ah, he Blake Snelled it. <laughs> it can be hard to survive in today's year. I'm going to skip that. In today's year, it can be hard to survive when you that strike go, out. Huh? I am. Because I have a, I have to eat crow in a minute here. So it can be hard to survive when you strike out as few batters as Miley does. But when it all comes together, you get a great night like Friday night. Like, good good for Wade Miley, man. Put it down on your record book. Well, let's talk crow. Okay. So I've crapped on Robbie Ray on this podcast many times. And Robbie Ray is on my heater. 
because this is the best version I've ever seen of Reverie. He is limiting his walks. No walks in his last three starts. 18 and two-thirds innings without a walk and 23 strikeouts. If there is truly going to be a good Robbie Ray, this is it. Now, he is getting really lucky. 93% strand rate. Uh, with the fly balls he gives up, which are nuts. He should be giving up a lot of home runs. Specifically, he's at Dunedin. Guess what? We were just talking about Dunedin. Now, getting to Buffalo will make it easier, but this is still a really... Look at the XERA and the FIP compared to his ERA. I see you're on fan graphs. I went and went and looked to, to see. So it's a matter of which do you believe more. The FIP is not good, 4.74. The XFIP is 3.88. And so, again, obviously the Dunedin ballpark is in play here. Uh, how much should it be? So these th- those are the variables right now. So I said this is the best version of Robbie Ray we've seen, and a two fifty Babbitt, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So it's he's, a he is lucky. Like he, this is this is as good as we've seen out of him. This is what they wanted last year when it was the hype for the Cy Young, right? That is the lowest Babbitt of his career. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't surprise. Like I, I've been impressed. I'll say that I do not think he's this good. I do think that. I know that they have Nate Pearson pitch today. I don't think he was particularly good, but if you get this side of Robbie Ray along with Hyunjin Ryu, Nate Pearson figures it out a little bit, and they have a minor league player, Alex Manoa, uh, who's at AAA right now, who has looked incredible. I think he had a 12-strikeout, one-hit game the other day. So there is hope for this Blue Jays pitching staff. So I'm trying to do my best to do the advanced stats to help you out with, with eating crow. Can I save you? And here's what uh, MLB's uh, uh, stat cast, uh, what they have for it, what his expected numbers would be based upon everything that he's thrown, everything that's been done from launch angle, sweet spot, his exit v- velocity from barrels and barrel percentage, uh, everything that's to this, to this point. Uh, and the numbers are in your favor. The uh, expected batting average, 276. The expected slugging percentage, 488. Uh, the uh, expected ERA for what he's done, 4.68. That is Robbie Ray. Yeah. And so he is beating out his peripherals. He's beating out the numbers that are there. He is lucky at this point. So at least you're, it sounds like your crow will be short-lived. Yeah, this is your one time getting on a heater, Robbie Ray. Congratulations. It's getting harder and harder to find hitters that are on a hitter because it is on a heater because it is such a pitching league. So my two hitters this week, number one, I have Giancarlo Stanton. He is now currently in the top 1% in average exit velocity, max exit velocity, and hard hit rate during the week. The walk-offs have been uh, <laughs> the, the added uh, punch. During the middle of the week, he had a 12-game hitting streak where he raised his batting average from 186 to 314. He's already at nine home runs. Is He's as likely as anybody to lead the league in home runs if he stays healthy, right? The question is health always. Uh, the other guy who I have for a hitter is Jordan Alvarez. Uh, four hits, four home runs in the last week, six-game hitting streak, multiple hits in five of them. He is also a set a record this week, fastest player with to reach 100 career RBIs. He did it in only 114 games. So Jordan Alvarez, another guy. How healthy are your knees, buddy? Because you're 23 years old, and I believe you've had problems with both of your knees already. But when you play, yeah, you hit. So let's move on to uh, those that are on the opposite end of this. Uh, where's the heat? Uh, the heat is on. For? Yeah. Let's start with Keston Hira. Guess what? He got sent to the old site. Guess what? We called that after yeah. like three days. Yeah. Uh, you're looking for anything. So I looked through the stack cast for anything positive in these underlying numbers, and it's tough. It is real tough. Most concerning is the strikeouts. He's striking out 36% of the time. That was never his game. Which is in the bottom five, right? He's whiffing at 47% of the pitches he sees. 
Half the time he swings, he swings and misses. Not even fouls it off, just straight whiffs. And I think he needs, like, some good pitching coach to tell him, quit swinging with such an uppercut, dude. Make contact for a little while here. The one person who I, I, I brought it up before because I, I see his games, but who was uh, switched to an uppercut swing, he already had swing and miss in his game anyways, and right now it doesn't seem to be, I know the strikeup numbers have gone up, uh, but the power has gone up. Uh, Willie Adamas, uh, hit that uppercut swing that he has now, he's already had over four home runs, five home runs uh, uh, to start uh, start the year. He had an opposite field uh, home run uh, today. I hope Austin Hero figures it out at the alt site. I really do. But Agreed. I... I'm not relying on it anymore at first base this season. You can't. Like, from what we've seen, you cannot trust that Keston here is going to be good this year. This isn't a uh, a 10-day stint. He needs to be there for a while. He needs to reclaim his swing, get back into a groove, get things ironed out, and then uh, and then be brought back. To me, it's all-star break. Yeah, at best. Uh, let's keep it in the hitters. So I already mentioned Jordan Alvarez on the good side. I think some of these guys had great games today. I typed these yesterday, so that's uh, whatever. Carlos Correa had one hit in the month of May going into today. He's still hitting 246, so that tells you how he was hitting. I have very few concerns. It's not like his strikeouts are suddenly out of control. They just haven't been dropping in the last week, so Correa will be fine. Let's keep it in Houston. I saw Tucker had a triple and a home run today, so once again, it's going to look bad because I typed this last night. He was three for his last 22, and that's concerning. His hit average is only 175, but his stat cast data looked amazing. His ex-batting average, expected batting average was still 284. He was hitting the ball as hard as ever. By the end of the year, it's hard to make up where he's at now to get to like 284, right? Because you have to bank that all in. But if you told me he got to 250 by the end of the year, I'd have no surprises at all out of Kyle Tucker. Absolutely. Uh, anyone else on your I list? have a couple of pitchers quick. So this one's unfair because he had amazing st- – so I just typed this. I said, Clayton Kershaw had the shortest start of his career on Tuesday. One inning, six base runners, four earned runs. And guess what? He showed – I said, he'll be fine. And yesterday – he was fine. Uh, five innings. He did not give up an earned run in what ended up being like a 14-11 game, but he left and it was 13 nothing. And you're going to talk about the Royals in a little bit here, but let's mention Daniel Lynch. So when I referenced the Royals, I said, if they can be really good, they can start to push their prospects forward. Guess what? They did that. Daniel Lynch is MLB prospects, 24th overall prospect, one of the best pitching prospects in the game. And he made his debut for the last week. His first game was... Yeah, kind of fine, maybe a little jitters, four and two-thirds, four walks, three Ks, but you're not going to be upset with that, right? This is a guy who only walked 29 and 96 innings when we last saw him in 2019. Then game yesterday against the White Sox, where he looked completely overmatched. Two-thirds of an inning, eight earned runs, where he allowed one home run. Uh, I think he'll be set down for more seasoning. Uh, he, he needs it at this point. And this is the thing with a lot of these prospects. We didn't see him last year. So it's been two years. It's just been the alt site, and so they need uh, it's higher variation on things right now. It's harder to call up guys and know what you're getting. Exactly, and so Daniel Lynch probably needs more seasoning in the minor leagues, and we heard the same type of things about guys like Mackenzie Gore. We've seen some very good prospects play down in the minor leagues. Your guy, Wander Franco, looks great. Vidal Brujan looks great. Jared Kelnick looks great. Hitters the, over pitchers. The Durham Bulls, uh, I think, could beat some MLB teams. Uh, mm-hmm. They are so stacked right now. Uh, Josh Lowe uh, back from an uh, injury with that, too. Here's a guy who's had two two home run games uh, to begin the year as well. So did uh, uh, Vidal Brian as well. Uh, it's it's fun to watch uh, with that. I, I'm, I'm now enjoying doing minor league box score checking. Uh, was that we got covered both pitchers? 
That's it, yep. Kershaw and Lynch, yep. We'll talk uh, Kansas City. This would obviously fit here. We're going to talk about them more extensively coming up in our next segment. We're going to talk about what's gone wrong in the NL East as we look at some of the uh, best uh, articles around Major League Baseball, what's gone wrong in Kansas City, uh, and the two early uh, MLB award frontrunners, an article from CBS, and we get into buy and sell coming up next. Cut my egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk! I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile! Freeze it, then cut it. You! Bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, cowboy. Now, you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, hula hoops, and Pac-Man video games, don't you see... People today have attention spans that can only be measured in nanoseconds. <laughs> be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Fulton fan. Yes! That's awesome! Well, something needs to be shaken up as we look at the uh, the NL East. Uh, we're looking at it. Best uh, articles around Major League Baseball over the week. Uh, interesting topics and discussions. Uh, and one of them is from ESPN's Dave Schoenfield, uh, What's Gone Wrong in the NL East. Here's a, a division that we thought would be uh, baseball's best division when we were doing our previews uh, coming into the season. Uh, the talent is there. You had the Atlanta's uh, rise uh, last year, the additions they made in the offseason. Uh, Miami Marlins, fun to watch. Uh, baseball's most exciting team last year as far as from a pitching standpoint, a young pitching standpoint, uh, things that were intriguing to see there. Uh, you still had, could the Nationals uh, bounce back? Max Scherzer leading the way again. Uh, and, and the uh, perennial, you say goodbye, I say hello, uh, Steven Strasburg, which has gone the same <laughs> exact way that it always does. Uh, but Philadelphia Phillies, they retained uh, 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 Real, Real Muto. Uh, you have the New York Mets that went on their spending spree and got uh, an acquisition, Francisco Lindor, there. This is a fun division as far as competition goes, but it has more resembled the NL Central from last year than it has more of a division to be feared. What's gone wrong in the NL East? Yeah, that's a good question. So Washington had COVID, right? That You can blame some of it on that. They had kind of a weird thing with COVID, but... They're striking out. All these guys strike out too much. And we knew that their defense was going to be bad. Like they said, we brought in Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber. You knew your defense was going to suck. But you expected the offense to be good, and it hasn't been. And so that's been Washington's problem. Uh, the Marlins, I've seen a lot of the Marlins. They recently got done playing the Brewers again. And my thing with the Marlins is they have Alcantara and Pablo Lopez at pitchers. Sixto is a month away apparently still from pitching. We have not seen him yet this year, and it sounds like he's still a long ways away. Trevor Rodgers has been really good, really good so far for him. We've mentioned him yeah. a few times on this podcast. So they still have the pitching, but some of those hitters that last year showed up and gave him those contributions, Corey Dickerson, I watched him strike out I think three times the other night, and so I still think he, he can be good, but they, they play with such a thin margin anyways with the pitching that they have, so you, you have to score some runs. When you uh, play with such a thin margin, it means you're going to be streaky, right? It's hard to maintain consistency. So I think we said in the offseason, the 60-game season worked a lot better for the Marlins than like 162 games was ever going to. Absolutely. Uh, Phillies, their offense is so weird too. So theirs is, they've gotten great pitching, right? Nola wasn't great today, but Nola's still been good. He's not tracking towards the Cy Young I predicted for, but a good pitcher. 
Zach Wheeler, I just watched him pitch a complete game shutout against the Brewers. He looked great. And Zach Eflin's been really good. And they guess what? They fixed their bullpen. So they should be winning. But their offense is eh, kind of inconsistent. So Harper is great, right? Bryce Harper's amazing. It's top heavy. Yeah. Because uh, you have him, uh, Real Muto. Reese Hoskins. Then, and has he been... He has strikes he, out too much, too. And then Alec Bohm has not been... Bohm hasn't taken a step forward. We mentioned him on yeah. the Heat is on a couple weeks ago. Bohm has looked... He hit a walk-off against the Brewers. Oh, geez. As they got swept every game by one run, like idiots. And uh, he, he hit the walk-off, but he's another one. He looks like he's put too much uppercut on the ball. Like, you're a line drive hitter, Alec Bohm. I watched you. I think you had, like, 35 doubles at double eight. Don't swing so... Like, for, put the extra loft on it. Sometimes launch angle doesn't help you. And... McCutcheon looks old. McCutcheon is looking like age is caught up a little bit out there in center field. So I think they'll be fine, right? I think the Phillies will be okay. Low level out uh, with it because the number one uh, positive is the pitching is there. The rest of that will, will come in and uh, round into form. At least you're pretty confident of that overall. Uh, what about Atlanta? Oh, Atlanta? Okay. Atlanta, the offense. So I don't know if you saw Acuna got hit really hard on the wrist last night. And it sounds like he's okay. They, they call it a pinky bruise, which when it happened, he looked like he broke his hand, I thought. So good for him to not be super hurt. But I don't know what's going on out there. So Albies has gotten better. Freeman looks better. We talked about some of these guys. The offense seems to be rounding into form a little bit. But now some of their pitchers, like Charlie Morton's got really unlucky. I looked at his baseball savant page a few days ago. He was getting really unlucky. And Drew Smiley has not looked very good. They've gotten like the second Shohei Otani and Hugh Oscar her you Oscar had Noah. He's pitched pretty well for him. He pitched tonight. He's hit two home runs as a pitcher. Good job for you, man. So once again, I'm not all that worried that Atlanta is going to be bad. I think Atlanta will figure it out. If this was like June or July, I don't think we'd be super concerned. I think they're one game below 500 now. I'm just happy that my uh, crazy oh, yeah, prediction is still holding on yet. Before that looks em- uh, completely embarrassing by the end of the year, uh, it- it's holding on. We'll see what happens uh, with that. I guess, like we said, not necessarily that you could pinpoint one thing, but just the the hangover from the previous yeah. year uh, taking place. And so, yeah, they're like one or two games under 500. They're middle at the 500 right now. So they're 17 okay. and 17. And I just, I'm pulling this up right now. Freddie Freeman's up to 341. Or is this last year? Did I have 2020 stats up? I do have 2020 stats up. Maybe I, I don't know why I have 2020 stats. So, Freddie. What? F- the Braves wish they could have 2020 stats up. Yeah. So, I was going to say 341. That was, I knew he'd gotten better. I did not think he'd gotten that much better, but I'm trying to pull these up. Why can't I get this? Anyways, uh, I'll move on to the Mets if you can pull it up. So, the Mets, Lindor has looked like a guy who's changed leagues, right? He's looked like a guy who is not used to the pitching he's seen. And. I think the last couple of days I saw he was starting to he had struck out once, walked four times, had a couple of multi-hit games in there. A month, right? It's been a month. Do not give up on Francisco Lindor Mets fans. He's extremely good. He's going to be good. He will probably hit you 40 doubles. And some of the other stuff is Jacob deGrom. He missed a start. Right? We talk about Jacob deGrom every week on the Heat is on because he's amazing. But he missed a start. He got pulled early today. I think he had a one-hitter going, and they t- pulled him in the sixth inning because his side tightness, that's scary. If there's one thing that you should be afraid of, Mets fans, it's Jacob deGrom's injury as much as anything. They need some of their pitchers to get healthy, right? Jacob deGrom needs to get back to health. Carlos Carrasco, Noah Syndergaard, and that's how the Mets win this, is get healthy, rely on your pitching, and you have enough offense. Well, again, going back to the Atlanta Braves for just a moment, we knew that last year it was the 
Uh, you had three guys that were driving this offense. You had uh, Freddie Freeman, you had Marcelo Zuna, and to an extent, Travis Darnold. Uh, and he's uh, Darnold is, is hurt, uh, so that's number one. The other two guys, it's not there. The power is there for Freddie Freeman, eight home runs, but he's batting 174, 197 on base percentage, 333 slugging percentage. Uh, he has zero, uh, 0.1 wins above replacement. Uh, you go further down the list, uh, again, from not only the injury to Travis Darnold, he wasn't playing well when he was uh, in there. And then Marcelo Zuna, uh, he's batting 2, 208, uh, 285 on base percentage, 323 slugging percentage. Again, uh, this is not, in fact, he's at negative 0.3 wins above replacement. These were the two that drove you all the way uh, to the NLCS uh, last year. You're no, not going anywhere until those two get going. Are you confident that overall they're going to? Absolutely. Uh, but right now it's not, and that explains what their record is. To be honest, they're lucky to even be 500 when you count all the different challenges and injuries and uh, players underperforming. To be at 500 is actually a success at this point. Yeah, and you were right, right? You, or So far you've been right. Like you said, you didn't think they'd make it. I still picked them to win it. And... Could either one happen? Sure, right? It's so early. This team could win. We could talk about them winning six games this week, right? Six and one. It's taken me time just to adjust back to uh, marathon versus sprint. That's always with the 162-game season. Like You're never worried. April and May, unless you're fully buried, they, they don't worry you. Like You're just looking for what are some key trends, how can things start improving uh, overall. Last year messed everything up for baseball fans. I'm more impatient, I'm more antsy than I think I've been in years watching baseball because the 60-game season made everything count so much more. It's like, no, it's going to take time. Don't worry about these things yet. Uh, Go on the overall track record. And so part of that is still the same thing with the Atlanta Braves. Are you worried about them now? Sure. Am I going to be worried about them come July, August? Probably not. The one... Sorry. The one guy that actually does have some concerning numbers is Dansby Swanson. He has yeah. 39 strikeouts to 10 walks, which is just not the way he plays usually. Whereas, like, Freddie Freeman has walked literally 23 times and struck out 23 times. Do I think that Freddie Freeman is going to hit 197? No. I've seen Freddie Freeman's line drive rate. It's usually the best in the league every year because he hits the ball so hard. So, Freddie Freeman will be fine. But Dansby Swanson, if you're striking out that type of level, that's a problem. The... Uh, New York Mets, as we, uh, as you mentioned, uh, with them again, Francisco Lindor is adjusting. Uh, Jacob Degrom has the the injury stuff to monitor. Goodness sakes, I looked at his numbers: six starts, he hasn't given up more than one run, in, in any of his starts. Only in three of them, the other three were shutouts. Uh, so just impressive to see the the level of numbers that he's at. Uh, they need some. They just need some health, right? I mentioned yep. Nimmo hurt his finger. J.D. Davis is on the IL again. He's bounced back and forth between there a few times. Plus Syndergaard, plus Carlos Carrasco. So it's Degrom. It's Stroman. Taiwan Walker's looked really good. That's been great. That's been encouraging for them. But after that, uh, just get healthy, and that's how the Mets win this. Well, we mentioned we we're talking about what's gone wrong in the NL East, but what's gone wrong in Kansas City? This team was uh, flying. And then all of a sudden, I was shocked to see eight straight losses. Uh, what's uh, have you had a chance to see anything with Casey? What's the what's the deal over there? Yeah, what their offense is. The, the offense has abandoned out. them. So let's see, it's been the Indians, right? Good pitching team. So they scored three, four, zero, and then it was the White Sox where they scored zero, one, and three. So it's. I, this is my team, right? I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna try and love this team all year and. 
We still haven't seen Alberto Mondesi. Sounds like he's about a week away, and that'll be great to hear get him back to this team. Whit Merrifield's look great. Carlos Santana's doing exactly what we thought he would do. Salvador Perez is doing exactly what we thought he would do. Jorge Soler cannot hit 194. Or if he's going to hit 194, he needs to hit home runs. Like, yeah. two home runs is not enough. It, that's, the, that's the problem. And 39 strikeouts to nine walks. So the team strikes out too much other than Carlos Santana. None of them draw walks. That's the problem. And that that's what leads to streakiness, right? You strike out a lot and you don't walk, you get streaky. So we'll uh, hopefully they can start bouncing back from that because, again, still confident overall in their ability. This is just a very bad stretch right now. Uh, as we uh, CBS's uh, Matt Snyder uh, started looking at uh, the two early MLB award front runners, who would you put on your uh, list uh, early at this point? So we're talking like AL MVP? Just oh, MVP boy. and Cy Young. Well, I'll take Jacob DeGrom for the NL Cy Young. Uh, am I all right? I'm. Can't, it's hard to argue with that at this point. Corbin Burns being out makes it harder to. Uh, you have to stay punch for punch with Degrom right now, and, and no one else is is there at that level. What about the NL MVP? Ooh, how about Ronald Acuna? Yeah, uh, I'll take Ronald Acuna. Two point two wins above replacement. He's uh, a three thirteen average, four oh nine on base percentage, six fifty two slugging percentage, ten home runs, five stolen bases. Uh, yeah, that that one's that one's pretty good. I would agree with that as well. What ALMV, AL Cy Young, it's been Garrett Cole or Shane Bieber have actually, hmm, I'll say Shane Bieber. Uh, he looks really good again too. Garrett Cole looks great. Uh, Dark Horse candidate John Means, right? We'll get to him in a minute. Yeah, but uh, we'll uh, talk about him in just a little I bit I have him here. in a buy sell too. I- uh, Tyler Glasnow is uh, is a, a second still tier. Too many. He still walks he, yeah, too he's, many. He's a, he's a second tier uh, from the other guys. Doing very well. He's established as an ace. Uh, there's others that are ahead of him at, at this point. Uh, my AL MVP, JD Martinez. Uh, his bat uh, fully back. He's batting like 350. He's got the, the power is there. The 10 home runs. Uh, he has uh, been obscene as an offensive player. Yeah, he's a DH, but he's doing it really, really well and uh, driving that uh, that offensive train in Boston. That's a good pick. I was going to take Mike Trout because oh. it's a it's it's always it's a, a safe good choice. one. It's a safe one, uh, so that that works. Uh, also, I feel bad about my Andrew Vaughn for rookie of the year pick because well, Tony Larusa. That's Larusa right there. Uh, what about uh, you know year of the pitcher? Uh, the uh, all of the no hitters were inching closer to a to a perfect game. Where one uh, bounced pitch away uh, from that taking place. Uh, we're hearing of guys that are uh, from not only that level, but the strikeouts are up. Uh, everything that is is going on. It has been more pitching dominant to begin with. Uh, how do we call this with the, the year of the pitcher? What's the What's the trend that's doing it? We can talk uh, the philosophical offensive changes from uh, launch angle and, and uh, swinging for the fences being part of it. We can talk about pitchers uh, being uh, more rested from having less innings pitched overall. We're seeing velocity increase across the board uh, for a lot of play, uh, a lot of pitchers. We've talked about that in previous podcasts this year. Uh, we can talk about a, a wide variety of things. What would you say about the the year of the pitcher and why that's driving the uh, the train here in uh, MLB? I think part of it's the shortened season last year, right? So we thought that it was going to limit their innings, but what it's doing is saying, yeah, you don't have to throw as many innings, but go out and throw as hard as you want to, which is also leading to the injuries, right? So part of it is, I forget, I think it was a podcast I was going to do that said, we're 
the way that they're treating young pitchers is like all relief pitchers where instead of throwing 80% and throwing a hundred pitches, it's throw 80 pitches, but throw them all a hundred percent, which is tough on the elbow. And that's how you get the Dustin May, Tommy Johns and certain things like that. So, but that also leads to dominating pitching, right? So I don't know. With that, you're seeing people as a result of the, the pandemic buying more into one time through the order, two times mm-hmm. through the order, and it's only the elite guys that are going the third time. Throw uh, as hard as you can twice. Get as many players, get as many strikers as you can. Throw as hard as you can. But, like you said, then it then it becomes specialized, and that's why you have all these bullpens. Ball changes. Uh, people have talked about that a little bit within it, of producing uh, uh, some different different results. Is that coming into play? It does seem to have reduced the home runs, right? You see balls now that you thought were going to have been gone that don't seem to carry as far, so Rob got his hope there. But the ball also spins differently, right? It spins a lot more. So some of those, like, we heard about, oh, they're going to change the ball, so there's not as much spin rate. Well, It's actually helping pitchers more yeah. than was unintended consequences. So way to go, Rob Manfred, of trying to actually, like, this is going to improve offense, and all he did was improve pitching even more. Leave it to you to find a way <laughs> to take something and actually do the exact opposite of what you are trying to accomplish. Not surprising in the slightest. Uh, with that, any other uh, key issues there? Then let's go into uh, buy and sell. We each have uh, uh, five uh, uh, notes here for that we're going to spin the other way. And I can already tell you just from what was intimated here, I think this is going to be a John Means special. Uh, We'll have a few things there within it. And props to him for definitely deserving of it. Uh, But let's first start with, uh, I'll start you off with, uh, uh, to Jacob deGrom. Uh, that he gets to 15 wins for the second time in his career. Uh, he is, again, mentioned six starts. He's only given up one run and three of them. Uh, shutouts for the others. He is 3-2 and two currently. Uh, does he get to 15 wins for the second time in his career by or sell? It depends. So we got the injury today. That, that's a big part of this. So that comes back. He makes if healthy. If healthy. If he, if he makes 30 starts, does he win 15 games? I'm gonna it's put only some, happened once. I'm going to put. I'm gonna say yes. I'll give the Mets some love and say that they find a way to score him, you know, two runs a game or whatever he needs to win all of them. So I think he can do it. I will buy that he wins 15 games if he makes 30 starts. Okay. Uh, do you want me to take my John Means one? Here it yeah, is. John Means finishes in the top three of AL Cy Young voting. So there's Shane Bieber, Garrett Cole, John Means. So I had him top five for one of mine. So again, we didn't look at each other's within this. We're, we're throwing it at each other right now. And so we'll combo those up together and say uh, top top four. Let's go okay, top four. Top four. Uh, yes. Uh, he. The, the question is becoming now, and we, we went through our initial, our preliminary hot stove uh, last week. We didn't bring up John Means. Uh, that's been a question that has been asked now as far as Baltimore Orioles. What's the better way for you to... Uh, uh, so I'm going to combo up with two questions. We'll talk about the top four. I'm going to add this one in with it. Do you buy or sell Baltimore Orioles? If you're their GM, do you buy him, stay him with the team as here's a, a potential ace uh, that is somewhat a building block, or is he now would become the biggest name, the biggest uh, uh, haul that you could get prospect-wise uh, in trading him? Uh, buy or sell uh, as Baltimore do, are you buying or are you selling as far as the, the best move for the future of your team? Even in the year of the pitcher, every team needs pitch. Like if you are going to be a competitive team in the next three to five years, you need an ace, right? And 
you can't go out and sign. Baltimore's not going to go out and sign an ace as far as unless they have an influx of money that I'm unaware of. Like they're not signing the Trevor Bauer right to that type of a contract. So but no one's going there yet until you prove you have some other yep. talent to go with it. So if you already have a player that's an ace, and I think John Means has showed right now, you're an ace, dude. So no, I've not. I would keep John Means. That's one of your building blocks along with Santander, Mountcastle, and Mancini. You're, is something to show that you are building something. Last year was about the offense. Here you're now adding the pitching uh, uh, use here. Absolutely. So I'm buying both as well. So you're top four? You're good on top four? I'm good on top four. Uh, I'm not. You're not? Nope. I think that he's going to be good. I think he's going to be very good. But it, when it's all said and done, I'll take Garrett Cole. I'll take Shane Bieber. I think Lucas Giolito figures it out. I think you had Tyler Glass now. You mentioned him a little bit ago. Uh, very good. Joe Ma- John Means is a very good pitcher at this point. But even Carlos Rodon, we didn't mention Carlos Rodon. Rodon, he has another... Perfect game or no hitter on his resume. And I think he has like a point fifty six ERA this year or something like that. So John Means very good, but I will take him outside the top four. He is being aided as with no hitters. It's going to be that way. A very low BABIP, uh, 158. Uh, so that's uh, uh, that's there. His ERA is very good. His XFIP is 3.47. So again, someone who's very good, maybe not great. So yeah, top four is going to be a, a bit of a, a challenge here, but... Okay. We'll see. Carlos Rodon is 5-0 and in five starts with a .58 ERA, 44 strikeouts in 31 innings with a .67 whip. So Here's a guy no one uh, no one wanted going into this this season, right? Uh, it's fascinating to see the, the resurgence and uh, uh, sticking with uh, the, the White Sox there. Though, again, I'm not going to give him too much credit because there weren't a lot injuries. of suitors. There'll be a lot of injuries for Carlos Rodon, too. So, John means you're very good, but not top four for me. So the Red Sox are uh, surging again, five straight wins. They're now rattled off to MLB's best record, not just the AL, but MLB's best record at 22-13. and 13. Are you buying that they are back? I think they're going to be competitive all year, which I did not think at the beginning of the season. I'll ask it this way. Are you buying them as a 90-win team? Mm-hmm. What would you say the record is now? Sorry. 22-13. and 13. Yeah. Probably. So that means you run about 70 games from this point on, and that's probably about 500. I think they can do that. They, that, that would be a uh, surprise. wild card uh, oh, yeah, uh, team, for sure, uh, for sure at, at the very least. Uh, that's a surprise, right? But they should be getting better, right? Chris Sale should come back. We still and This is without Chris Sale. We still think Chris Sale will come back. They've gotten really good contributions out of their pitchers that I didn't expect. Martin Perez has been as good as we've ever seen Martin Perez. Nick Pavetta seems to have found new life in Boston. This is the Phil- what Philadelphia always hoped he was going to be. So if they're going to get pitching, we we never doubted the offense, right? I doubted the pitching. I doubted the pitching. But if they're going to get pitching, this is, this is how they win games. J.D. Martinez looks, like you said, he looks like an MVP award winner. And Rafael Devers looks fine. And Verdugo's leading off, doing well for them. So, yeah, I, I think Boston can be... I'm not going to pick them to win the AL East yet, but I think that they can be in contention all year, and you never know. They can go out and make a big move, too. We've seen them make splash moves at the trade deadline before, too. Absolutely. Oh, let's take the easy one. Modern record for no hitters in a season is seven. Buyer sell gets beaten this season. And so we're at four now, or are we at five? Bumgarner's doesn't count, so they're counting it as five, right? Let's see. We've had Means, Rodon... Miley. Miley, Musgrove, maybe it's only four. Did I forget one? I'll check. So either way, four or five, we are looking at either needing two or three to tie. 
uh, I see it tied. I'm not going to say it's, it's not going to get broken, but I do see seven this year. So Miley means Rodan Musgrove. Yeah, that's it. So those are the only ones so that are three, three more to uh, to tie it. Mm-hmm. I say it is tied, not broken. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll say seven's a lot, right? It's been four, and season's still early, right? It's harder for the pitchers or, or harder for the hitters early on when it's cold. It's going to get better Summer for the Heat's offense. Gonna yep, get that uh, get that going. I there. agree with you. Which still, again, to get another three is still impressive uh, to get to seven in, in one season. I have season. another hitting one. Yeah, go ahead. So the league average batting average is currently 233. I went all the way back to the year 2000, and the next lowest was 245. Now, we could say it's the best pitching season ever, or is it the worst offensive season of the last three decades? There's a fascinating question, uh, and uh, that's one I want to dive into more. I think that's worthy of a bigger discussion. Uh, so let's let's go back to that next week. Uh, I, I want to take a look at that because I think that's a very fascinating thing overall. Uh, my last one I have for us is uh, uh, buy or sell Jesse Winker winning an NL batting title. He is currently at uh, 354 average, uh, over 20 points uh, uh, higher than anyone else right now in the National League. Uh, are you buying a batting title in his future? He's a very good batter. I'll take the field. Uh, not that Jesse yep. Winker couldn't finish in the top 10 pretty easily, but if you're giving me the field, I'll take the field. I still think, do you know who's second in that list? Uh, I think almost his teammate, uh, uh, Castellanos. Castellanos. That's what I would have guessed. So I'll take some of, I'll take Nick Castellanos's consistency over Jesse Winker's up and down nature. I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we've seen stretches like this before out of Jesse Winker, maybe not quite this prolonged, but there tends to be a downturn and it doesn't take much to lose a batting title as Charlie Blackman could say. I remember at this point last year, we were talking about Charlie Blackman hitting 400 and I think he ended up at like 270. And it's a, a 420 uh, Babbitt but at this point too. So obviously that's contact driven is going to be there. A brief thing on, uh, we mentioned uh, contact being different or the batting average being low. Uh, I will say this, the Rays are usually one of the teams that are out in front of these types of things and looking to be counter to whatever's going on. Uh, they've been assembling over the last few years more of high-contact, elite batting eyes uh, in their system. From I mean, Wander Franco can do everything, but Vidal Burian, Xavier Edwards, uh, there's a lot of these types of guys in their system that are going to be coming up. I very much see them being the team that goes back to the slap hitter uh, and doing it differently here within the next couple of years. These guys are almost uh, major league ready. Uh, that being said, uh, let's talk about your team uh, <gasps> within it. I got a couple more for you. Oh, no, go ahead. Dylan Carlson keeps hitting in the two-hole all the way to the NL Rookie of the Year. He's been great. I don't know if you've seen you him. He's been great. You were just a year early. Great. You yeah, were just a year, a year early on him. You were very high on him coming out of the, the Cardinals. Uh, I, the, the talent has always been there. Uh, fuller season helping him out. Yeah, He's in a ideal spot in front of Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, who's and, doing exactly what we said he would and hitting like 270, but hitting home runs. And someone who, again, has a, a decent amount of patience in his bat, so that's going to get you a higher on-base percentage too. My last one is the Pirates have another building block that we don't talk enough about. So, Brian Hayes hit the 60-day IL yeah. today. I don't know if you saw that or not. That's sad. But Brian Reynolds, 2019, he was fourth in the NL Rookie of the Year voting, 16 home runs and a 314 at batting average and only 491 at bats. Then he was horrendous in the weird season with a 189 average. But he looks back, three home runs with a solid average already this year. I think we don't give Brian Reynolds enough credit. So, Pittsburgh Pirates positive. I said, here's what I'm buying. I'm buying that we have a Pittsburgh Pirates positive moment for the podcast this week. I think Brian Reynolds is okay. I'll give him some love. 
someone's got to. Uh, all right, then let's take a look at your uh, fantasy team as we uh, wrap up our our uh, podcast here this week. Uh, you sent me a message uh, uh, yesterday, if I'm not not mistaken, that you were as high as third this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, was was what is the result of that? What happened this week uh, in your numbers that bumped you up? What was the who was giving you some love this week? Well, the the Dodgers scoring 13 yesterday with Seager and Muncie and Gavin Lux certainly helps. So that that was a big part of it yesterday. But Zanino did exactly what I thought he would do as my second catcher. He hit some home runs and he struck out a lot, which is what he does. And, you know, Trout's great, right? Harrison Bader was awesome. Remember, I picked up Harrison Bader yeah. last week. I think he stole two bases. I moved up in the steals. Victor Robles stole a base. About time. So I've There's been a Victor Robles signing. Yes. So I moved up to where am I currently at here? I'm back to sixth. It is a three-way tie for sixth place, but 91 and a half points. If I had 95 points, I'd be in fourth again. So that's how tight everything is. But I moved up to mid-pack in steals. I'm at 20. I think last time I was at 10th. Now I'm at sixth. So I need a little bit more help out of the pitching. Joe Musgrove gave up, I think, four earned in five innings, and Urias had his worst start of the year. So I'm now into a 374 ERA. Got to lower that a little bit. But getting Ryu back from the injured list helps. Let's just see if I got any new players quick. So I put in not very many bids this week. Gregory Polanco violated the COVID protocols, and so he's got put on the IL, but they're not even sure what's wrong with him. So I took a chance on Trevor Larnark. I said, I don't know how good his hit tool is, but I think he can hit 20 home runs. And with all the injuries in Minnesota, with Buxton and Kirilov, he should play every day. So I got him for 14. I dropped Joe Ross. Joe Ross had a two-start week, and he was okay in him. He walked five today, though. That's really scary. I didn't play him, so... I went back to Garrett Richards. I don't know if you saw, but Garrett Richards, another yeah. guy in Boston who's been playing well. So I brought Garrett Richards in for 11 bucks, and then I made a $2 move for Blake Trinan. So he got a save for the Dodgers, and guess what? We've talked about Kenley Jansen for a long time on this, and for 2 bucks, I'll take a chance that at some point here, Blake Trinan is, at least takes over that Corey Knable role where he's going to get 10-ish saves. That That's an underrated move right there that I like overall, and this Kenley Jensen also has injury issues that yes, can, can come up. Uh, and Trinan is more of the number two than Knievel is. Knievel is obviously doing very well right now, but as far as track record, Trinan has it. So you've talked about Jose Alvarado. He went for 43. That's an expensive spend on a closer that technically not the closer yet. Neris is still there, but... I was just looking at the numbers. The other one is, is it worth for a team investing in a star closer anymore? Do you see what the, who the, the stat leaders are in that? It's uh, Mark Melancone. Uh, it's uh, Jake McGee. Uh, it's uh, uh, Ian Kennedy. I blame so these, your team. These guys that uh, are getting the saves, but they're not necessarily like these aren't your household names. These are your uh, veteran retreads that are I blame getting your those team. stats. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't be a bit surprised on that one at all. That, they've they've uh, they've reshaped how uh, bullpens are done, or when you use them, saves are irrelevant to the, the way analytical a lot of it look. Has to do with I think we're going to see a lot more of these like Daniel Lynch, these young arms come up and do the relief pitcher thing. Like, it's working really well for Kopech. You don't need to make him a starter right away. Put him in the middle relief and let him pitch two, three innings instead of just leaving him at double or triple A. This is the year that you need the multi-inning reliever the most, and so there's an opportunity for some of these guys. Uh, Luis Patino, Shane McClanahan, some of these are exact samples from the Tampa Bay Rays. They're they're now piggybacking those guys, so you already have 100 mile an hour from the left side, and then you bring in uh, Patino afterwards on, on the right side with his slider and everything else that he does. It's crazy. Don't forget the Brett Honeywell screwball. And, and he is, uh, is still uh, lurking in the distance as well. Well, with that, that wraps up our coverage for uh, uh, this Another week's, week. This week's in the MLB, uh, 
activities, and we'll take a look at what comes up a week from now.